On this remote island, they have come to rescue their son. Ben! What was that? Now they will discover... It will take all their courage... We're not leaving without our son. Just to survive. Jurassic Park 3. Mom? Rated PG-13 at theaters Wednesday, July. Welcome back to the podcast, Old Millennials Remember Movies. I am your host, Angela Yoshiko, here with my co-host, Tyler Wilson. And today we are talking Jurassic Park 3. Hi, Tyler. Alan. Alan. So, Hi. there's a scene in the movie... We'll talk about it later. ...that we'll talk about later. Yeah. How are you doing? I'm okay. Yeah, we're going to talk about Jurassic Park 3. If you noticed... You know, you know, like when um, writers talk about or interview people, they always start out with like what you what they're wearing and the mood. Mm-hmm. So um, I like to just let you all know that uh, the mood here is I'm drinking out of a Jurassic Park mug, which is Tyler's, which I steal all the time. Yeah, you uh, for for a miracle are not wearing one of your Jurassic Park T-shirts, which you happen to wear like all the time. Well, I have two Jurassic Park T-shirts that are just the logo, a black and white one, and then like the red logo one. But then I also have a shirt that's Jurassic Parka, which is the T-Rex, but he's wearing a parka, Jurassic Parka. And then I also have a few other various like dinosaur-related T-shirts because I'm a child. And you're not wearing any of them, so I really feel like you're really fucked up on this one, babe. Perhaps. Now, the other thing that's of note is that we are, the reason we're doing uh, Jurassic Park 3 on this episode, it's this episode 103. Yeah. And a hundred episodes ago, episode 3 of this show, we did the Lost World Jurassic Park, the sequel. Uh, so it just felt fitting, even though it's inching into the 2000s a little bit, to do Jurassic Park 3. You might ask, why aren't we doing Jurassic Park 1? Well, because that movie's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Because what at, is there to talk about? Yeah, Tyler would just be gloating about how amazing it is. He'd be talking about every scene. We'd have to do 100 episodes just on Jurassic Park because it's yeah. perfect. It could be its own podcast called Jurassic Park Love Fest. Minute by minute. There are well, there are podcasts about certain movies that are like minute by minute Star Wars and stuff like that. I'm not sure if there's a Jurassic Park one. There could be. There Wouldn't surprise be. me. Wouldn't surprise me. You could host it. I could. Yeah, you know that movie very well. I wrote a college... Uh, I wrote my, like capstone project on jurassic park the movie. college thesis on that and nice. the fun part about it was is that my not the instructors i had the professors i had they were into it but for whatever reason for my like senior capstone like my advisor was someone i'd never like had an interaction with before mm-hmm. and and she was just like not into what i was like trying to write about and she's just like why do you want to do this i was like well i just i like jurassic park <laughs> <laughs> and she was just like, well, I mean, here's this, do- she's trying to help. She's like, here's this thing on, here's this big old uh, documentary I have on Martin Scorsese films. I was like, that, listen, that's interesting to me. I'm happy to look at it. I'm not going to write about that. I like Martin Scorsese. I've seen these movies. I get it. I appreciate it. It's a really great documentary. Let's talk about what I'm working on. <laughs> Let's talk about Jurassic Park. Yeah. So anyway. So today we're going to talk about Jurassic Park. I was story. a good student. I want to put that out there. You were a good student. Yeah. You put that out there pretty much any opportunity. Summa cum laude, baby. That was like 20 years ago. And I turned into a stay-at-home parent slash freelance part-time writer. Uh, slash podcast host. Slash podcast host. Come on, dude. Crushing it. Yeah, you are. Yep. Well, while you're crushing it, your stay-at-home parenting, writing, and podcasting, have you been watching anything? Well, you and I watched uh, 
that was the other tie into this was that we've already done the '98 Godzilla, so I mean, we already did we already, we already tackled purged, that business. Did we? Because I purged that shit from my mind a long time ago, as most people do. Um, but anyway, we did watch the new uh, Godzilla vs Kong on HBO Max, which was also a box office hit. So people even ventured out to the. Uh, yeah. COVID-infested theaters to see the see the film. Good I for mean, them, it's I guess. definitely a theater-worthy sure. movie. It absolutely is. I yeah. wish I could have seen it in the theater. Yeah, it would have been good in the theater. Maybe we'll yeah. see it eventually. If you in the theater. like Godzilla and King Kong, and you have HBO Max, go watch it. Well, you have until the end of April. Yeah, um, yeah, it's good. I liked um, this all of it. The more well, the recent of, of these recent movies, like I, I like that first Godzilla movie that had Brian Cranston in it. It's you know not perfect by any stretch. There's not enough Godzilla in it. I get that. Kong Skull Island has problems, but I like a lot of it. I really didn't like Godzilla King of the Monsters that came out a couple years ago. Um, despite having lots of monsters and more fighting, I just uh, I don't know. The story was just too. And no one goes to these things for the story, but that one really was just irritating to me and grating. Whereas this new one, by all means, is still kind of a dumb story. The humans are less important. Who cares? But it does deliver where you want it to deliver, which is uh, the monster fights. Godzilla versus Kong. There's a few of those. Yeah. And I feel like it gets Kong right. Like, Kong is kind of the main character of the movie, which I appreciated. Like, the human characters are all just basically serving that story. Yes. So there's not a lot of other distraction. There's goofiness going on. There's stupidness going on. But at least, like, the Kong character is a character. And Godzilla is kind of the secondary character here. Um, Maybe because they just did a movie with God. I mean, that was the last one. So... But this yeah, movie was good about just like getting into it too. It got down to business, like even the dopey human stuff. They just like it kind of powers through it. Yep. Um, it yeah. doesn't fuck around. It just gets, you could see what was happening, which was a, I think a problem with the last Godzilla movie. I felt like it was very much uh, obscured in darkness, but but annoyingly so. I know sometimes that's to kind of hide bad CGI and to kind of not make things look fakey. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think this one d- did a good... I mean, there's this broad daylight shit and then in, even the climactic fight, which is at night, is kind of like neon tinted and... Yeah, that was super cool. It's cool. I was... You know, I've heard some other... You know, I've heard grumblings of just like, man, they really... Like, it's so weird how we've gone from uh, movies with lots of destruction in them is like that no one really batted an eye when like cities would get pummeled and stuff yeah. like that. And then, you know, 9-11 and then we kind of were a little bit more aware of this. I think Man of Steel was like a inflection point where people were like, Superman's just destroying this city while he's fighting everybody's millions of people dead. So that's become like this discussion. And then like, so I've heard grumblings of like, Godzilla vs. Kong, there's not a lot of talk of like evacuating that giant city before they like destroy it at the end. And I was just like, yeah. I was like, I guess I'm, uh, when, I, when it comes to Godzilla vs. Kong, I'm just like, well... Gotta get out of their way. <laughs> like, do you need an evacuation notice? Like, well, I think that they. I mean, they're they're. I listen. I wasn't paying super attention to what was going on with the people who were yelling at each other, but maybe there was some of that going on, and they already have a plan. And I mean, they've they've established in the series that they do have like these bunkers and things like they that. They said it in the movie. Did they? they? Said that, yeah. Like, people need to evacuate down to the bomb shelters or whatever. Well, okay, there you go. So I don't know. It's just weird that. I've heard that grumbling, but by and large, I feel like most people have been pretty um, like, happy about like, this movie. It doesn't, like, gratuitously kill people. No, it's you not. You don't, like, see people getting smushed. No, but they're old, but they're probably getting smushed, though. I mean, you gotta stay out of the way. I mean, if fucking King Kong is rolling through your... I don't know if I'd be living in a... 
in a world where uh, giant monsters are kind of always around and they're hitting cities, I just, you know, I think you gotta hedge your bets and live in the country. Yeah, you're you're not gonna want to live in a coastal town. Yeah, where they're when they're coming out of water, like why is anybody living there? Like, yeah, that's always where they pop up. Coastal town. Here we go. Yeah. Well, that sounds like your white privilege talking about your just ability to freely move wherever you want, Tyler. Some people are stuck where they are. You know, that gets me on a slight tangent. Um, I just I was reading this before we started recording. So the Oscars are coming up here soon before after we record, right? Um, and Nomadland is kind of this unlikely frontrunner, which is weird to think about. Like, any other year, I don't think that would have happened. It's such a quiet, small movie, right? But it's weird that, uh, like, see, now, because it's the frontrunner, and I'm not saying some of the criticism is not valid, It's it, and some of it is, but it's like this, it's getting hit hard now because of, like, they treated Amazon with kid gloves at the beginning of the movie, where she's working there and she thinks it's good money and they don't show terrible working conditions and it seems like people are happy working there. And I'm just like, okay, but it's like five minutes of this fucking movie. <laughs> she also works as basically a janitor and a cook and you know that those aren't great jobs either but she also has a great attitude and so that to me is more about like the character's approach to like working than a statement on the the state of affairs i think the specific aspect that they have trouble with is that they were they filmed inside amazon and amazon got kid gloves in those early scenes because like it's this not there's not people not like about attacking well, I agree. Amazon. I'm just saying. I that's what I. I there's that's a lot stupid. of think pieces about it, and I'm just like, okay, but like, it, is that really what this movie's about? Yeah. Like, we have to create. Yeah, like, I, and I get it. Like, I'm with Does that criticism. Amazon, Amazon deserve, deserves criticism, yeah. absolutely. But Agreed. like, is that Nomadland's like job? Yeah, is it their responsibility? And then in that, a story to critique. No. And then that led me down another click chain of just reading yet another like blistering attack on promising young woman, which I, I. I get, I understand the criticism, and I I see that perspective. But I'm also just like, every time I read one of these, I I read it and I think, man, this person didn't get it. No, and like they, they they're making an assumption. Like they, they keep trying to the critics of this thing. I don't want to get into this because this is just going to get me in trouble. <laughs> it's just like you know they're, they're mad that it's being called like a feminist movie. And again, I would just be like, I think you're mischaracterizing that movie. It's not a feminist. Like it's a feminist. Avenge movie. Oh well, don't you movie. understand, Tyler? That any movie that has a woman in it is a feminist movie. Well, I know, but like they're they're criticizing what it isn't. Like, like they're criticizing what it isn't again. Like, well, it doesn't do this. I was like, I don't think it's, it's trying to do that. It's not its fucking job to be responsible. I mean, even for... the one I read was just like, I really wanted you know, I wanted the men to suffer. I wanted this to happen, and I was like, well, it's not about. Th- I mean, it's it's purposely not about that. And the movie's not specifically about someone who has the existing view. I don't know. I, I, it's You'd have to dive into this more. And we've already talked about this movie, and I like it, and I think some of the criticism that is against it is valid. I disagree with it, but I at least understand it. But I keep reading other things. Again, it's because when these movies get up for awards, and then it, there, there's just this attitude of, uh, you have to take it down, or people on the internets, the Twitters, they feel like they're the they're the purveyors of taste, not the not the Academy, not anywhere else. We have to be. Twitter has to be the be all end all of uh, of of who, what movies are good and what movies are bad. And now we've just decided that these ones we have to throw them out because we don't like one part of one message in them. I find this odd. And it this started with a Green Book, mm-hmm. which I get. Green Book is like not a good movie, and it won Best Picture. But at the end of the day, like who the fuck cares? Like it's fine. They like Green Book. I don't like. Let's move on from that. 
I just am getting a little tired of it. Oh. A little tired of it. I hear you. I really actually am sensing your aggression. It's making me uncomfortable. Well, it's just it's just very predictable. You just see this stuff, and it's just like, I find it lazy. It's like, oh, we're attacking Nomad Land now because it's like it, because it's nice to Amazon? Like, this is what we have to scrape the bottom of the barrel of? I don't know. just seems like, whatever. There's no perfect movie. It's well, going to fit everybody's checkboxes. Does specifically, it's not going to fit like a political view no. that is supposed to be like what the group think is right now. We're all supposed to really hate Amazon and their working conditions, and therefore any depiction of anything like that is bad and wrong, and we shouldn't celebrate it because it made that mistake. Okay, maybe it did make that mistake, but again, but it's five what? minutes of the movie. It, it also didn't glorify I would the say working conditions it. of Amazon, and it didn't glorify the employee treatment of Amazon. It just didn't spend a lot of time making that the point of the story. I would agree with that, yeah. I don't so, know. I, just I don't, it may have been Kid Gloves, but it wasn't, like, not critical Well, it's of Kid Gloves, and I, I mean, the part of that's Kid Gloves, I get, they, I mean, she wanted to film in the Amazon facility, and they weren't, they're going to let her, like, go in there and be like... Oh yeah, yeah. It's, this place sucks. Like then you wouldn't have that. Yeah. And it's like, well, do you want to show? And that's the reality. The reality is, is that a lot of people are taking these temporary jobs, and they, they want to make them. it look at mm-hmm. least like a real world situation. And that's what that is. And maybe it's not the not the real real world version, but it's I don't know. I didn't I didn't come out of there thinking like, man, it's so great of Amazon to hire Francis McDermott. I want to. What go a work great place Amazon. to work. It's like not no. a, so far from the idea that I came. No, away from she's it, so. obviously not even making enough money to like live, have a decent wage, yeah. and that's depicted. And it's not a permanent job, and it's shitty. I, I feel like it, it is depicted. Anyway, anyway, moving on. So speaking of the Oscars, <laughs> I did watch uh, all of the documentary feature films are available for streaming. Uh, Easily on like actual like free services that we subscribe to, uh, so they're not really free, but you get what I'm saying. I had already seen one of the five called Time, which is on Amazon Prime. It's very good, but I had not watched the other four. Kind of a weird lineup. I, I personally, my favorite is Dick Johnson is Dead. We talked about that movie in our favorites of the year. Didn't get nominated, so that one's out. A couple other ones that were pretty high profile didn't get nominated, but I did watch the other four that I hadn't seen. So that's uh, Crip Camp which is on Netflix. That's one of the Obama-produced ones. And this is kind of about the disability revolution of the 70s and 80s after these kids ended up going to this camp for uh, the disabled and then they kind of connected and then that became like this like group that um, ended up pushing for some, some you know, uh, you know rights, American disabilities, rights, and things mm-hmm. like that. Very, probably the most traditional of documentaries in the group. It's interesting. Um it's a good watch. It's entertaining, but it wasn't like, I mean, it, it's just, it's, it's too, totally solid. Like, it's totally worth watching. It just wasn't like my favorite of these things, right? Um, I really, so then the other thing, let's, let's see, uh, two of them are foreign language documentaries. One's called The Mole Agent. Um, this is set up like an old man in Spain or is it Latin America? I don't remember. Now it's been a little while since I watched it. Um, the filmmakers, bring this old elderly 80 year old man very very intelligent he's definitely got his wits about him mm-hmm. and they set they tell him like okay well we're gonna send you in we, we've heard some reports of some abuse in this nursing home so we're gonna send you in as an a mole okay and we want you to investigate what's going on in there okay so the first 10 minutes this is kind of like set up of him trying to figure out like how this camera works and stuff like that mm-hmm. and it's kind of amusing and then but what happens is like right when you get there you start seeing like really well photographed footage of him and other people at the doc- at this nursing home and you're just like well, what's going on here he's not obvious he's not like spying on them mm-hmm. 
Well, it's not. That's just the setup. They they've been granted access to film in this uh, place. Uh, they're filming everything. Like it's not. There's, it, you know, it turns out there's no like actual abuse going on or anything Does like that. Does he know they're filming? Does he see them? I, he must see them, but he but they keep having him do these these tasks. Um, and it's mostly about like, and I think what they tell him is like, well, we're filming these other things, but we can't get into like this specific patient's room. So can you go check on this person? Blah blah blah. Um, so it's kind of amusing that way, but once you kind of figure out what this movie's really about, which is just about these people who are living in this, um, facility, the facility is taking care of them, but, I mean, they're all very lonely. A lot of them have just, are waiting for their families to come visit them. Some of them have dementia and they, they, they don't have these people near them. They're not coming or, and it's just, um, yeah, it's really, and you see it way on him who has a family and he, you know, he's doing this, but he wants to leave and he can leave because he, He's totally fine. He can live on his own and he can go spend time with his family, but he's doing this. And so there's that contrast where he's interacting with other people who don't have this and uh, just very uh, human. Uh, Sounds like a fucking bummer, though. It's a little it's it's sad. I mean, it, it, it makes you feel it makes you want to like call your parents after you watch it, you know, Um because, you know, there's just people, they're just Especially people with now, full like, lives. You don't and, even have to be in a nursing facility to feel alone right now. Yeah, for sure. So it's it's really good and it, it, it's it's worth a watch. It's very, um, yeah, just just real people and, and real humanity. And that's, you know, always interesting to watch, right? Yeah. But the setup's kind of fun. It hooks you in a little bit. It's like, whoa, like, there's no, what's going on here? There's a camera. <laughs> okay. Um, and then uh, the other one is... Uh, oh, the other foreign language one, which I think is the best of the five, um, will not win. It's also nominated in the foreign language, uh, or not category. the foreign, in international feature, uh, category. So it's in both, which is hard to do, uh, but they both, they got into both. And this is about, um, was it Dana? God, see, I waited a week and now I forgot where these places, things take place. There's a, I think it's a Danish. Oh my gosh! Denmark. What are you talking about? Go look up collective. I don't want to get the country wrong. There's a fire at a rock concert, and it, it breaks out. Several people die at the rock concert, and a bunch of people are burned Romania. or injured. Romania. That's it. Uh, Denmark is way off. What did Bucharest, I watch that had Denmark? I watched something about with Denmark. The drinking game. There's Another drinking. round, which yeah. I did. I even t- I think, did. We I talked about, about that on the last episode. Okay, so. Um, a lot of burn victims, minor burn victims, smoke inhalation victims too. They go to these hospitals, and then what happens is like there's a lot of people that die at the hospitals, and like some of them had very minor burns, like they they shouldn't have died. What? And so it's the movie about um, these reporters. It's really it follows them for the most part, um, and they're like sport, they're like a sports. The, the mostly they cover sports, but they're covering this and. Mm-hmm. Um, they start to unravel, like, okay, well, this disinfectant they use, let's test, like, okay, the disinfectant's not, is being diluted improperly, they know this, it, it goes up the far reaches of the government, the government knows that they're, because it's state-run gov- medical facilities, and they know that there's abuses going on, and there's, like, uh, cutting corners, cutting corners and mm-hmm. terrible things are happening. And then it also kind of brings in a new character kind of a, a person who gets like they dump the people in charge of the health system when they bring in a guy who's actually trying to fix it and try to get to it but then like the, it's also just incredibly frustrating to watch this guy who's and his team who are actually trying to do the right thing and to try to fix it and to just get like hit over and over again with problem after problem to like actually make a make any progress right including like political you know 
oh, it's safe. Let these people go get their transplants. But they, you know, there's a whole political push to just reopen the hospitals. And so really compelling. I, I made me, it, it, it's, it plays out like spotlight, like that, you know, uh, dramatic version, like, the, like that won the best picture recently, or even like all the president's men. It has like this journalistic, like mm-hmm. we're uncovering facts, we're, un- but it's the real people. So. I thought that was really compelling. It's a it's a bummer story. Like it's just yeah, sad. Yeah, all these documentaries feel real uplifting. Yeah, no, not really. So then I think the one that's going to win. It's not my favorite, but the one that's going to win is My Octopus Teacher, which is basically a a nature documentary about this guy who like basically befriends an octopus mm-hmm. in a in a coral reef near his house, <laughs> and uh, and but I mean I have to say like you think it's slight when you start watching it and then it's like some of the footage is pretty incredible he it does a really good job of painting like this octopus as a character like you really get to like understand the personality of this creature Mm -hmm. and the legitimate relationship it forms with this guy and you know it's pretty it's pretty good like it's Mm -hmm. it's a pretty entertaining watch you were mocking it for quite a while i was like what the fuck is this right and it's just (laughs) like and even the first 10 minutes you're just like all right like what do we what what is this gonna be like (laughs) i and i love a a, i watch nature documentaries of oceanic life anytime yeah like all the time right i love that shit but like for like a You're best like, picture hoity-toity guy just being well like, oh, i just I befriended an octopus why why is this better and i would say that it is um incredibly photographed the footage he gets is pretty great and i think like the story ends up telling is is kind of nice it's just about like you get to learn about this octopus and what that life cycle is like and some of the incredible things it did you know mm-hmm. like he was kind of his it. friend. Don't spoil it, though. He, like, popped up every time he saw him. Came and get a little, get a little uh, snuggle. It was pretty cute. It's pretty cute. Yeah. But, you know, it's got its own little moments of heartbreak and sadness, too. He gets attacked by a shark. Gets fucking one of his arms ripped off and shit. It's yeah. scary. Yeah. That one's probably going to win, oddly. But, I don't know. I think Collective is the best one of the bunch. But I think they're all good, actually. Mm-hmm. All five were solid. The other one you watched was not a documentary. The Bosnia one? Oh, yeah. So the other thing I watched, that is an international feature nominee. Not um, a documentary. And on it, it's called Keo Vadis Aida, and it's Bosnian film, and it is about uh, the UN intervention in Bosnia in 1995, when there was a regime fall and a lot of refugees outside this UN uh, facility, and some really, truly terrible things happened, um, including straight-up genocide, and it's terrible, and you kind of remember this if you were you know our age we we probably vaguely heard about i kind of vaguely remember hearing about bosnia and then subsequently as i got older right in the 90s but you don't connect it with what this is a story about a woman who's a un interpreter so she speaks english and but and she, she works with the un but then she's also trying to communicate with these refugees and stuff like that and you follow her but the issue is she's trying to get her family members into the facility and safe um because, but there's all these people out here and the new regime is is like, and if you know a little bit of history, you know where this is going because you know that they are trying to cleanse the men. Like they want to straight up execute all the men, and she knows this, and some of the people in the UN know this, but like nothing is getting done. Mm-hmm. And so there's this race to try to get, you know, these other people, but also just her family in the right place. And it's, it's a grim as fuck, but it's really good. <laughs> So you watched a lot of uplifting, yeah. soul warming. Sh- I haven't seen all the international features. I know that another round's going to win because it's the popular one and the director's in, and that's a very good movie. But like this movie's 
really good, but it's I can see why someone watch it and be like, I'm not going. I'm going to go. I don't even want to think about that movie, let alone celebrate. Yeah, it's it. pretty awful. But wow. I'll end on this though because uh, I watched uh, Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar as well. I rented this, and this is Kristen Wiig and her writing partner from Bridesmaids is Annie Momolo. She stars in it with her, so they're both Barb and Star. And, well, this movie is crazy. <laughs> I can't believe you just rented it and then, like, watched it with without me. I told you I was going to rent it, and then I said you could watch it, and I had another day of it, and then you Then said you were you like, but I don't think you'll like it. Well, because you have this thing with, and I get it. I love Kristen Wiig. I, I know you do, but. Uh-oh. You also don't care for, like, her skit voice humor. skit humor of... Yeah. Is it that, the whole movie? Well, she's doing a voice the whole time, and she has a second character. She plays the villain. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah, so that was my... I was like, well, I don't know if this is your uh, thing. Yeah. But I will say that um, I appreciate what it is, because mm-hmm. it, it just it sticks to it, this crazy universe, and it just rolls with it, and there are talking crabs, and there are musical numbers randomly, and... Uh, just insane shit, and the the plot involves like her villain unleashing like deadly mosquitoes on people. Like it's just it's like Austin Powers level that. But then at the heart of it is just this relationship between these two friends. And I what I like about it is that they the movie does not make fun. It's not a movie making fun of them. Mm-hmm. Like they're Midwest people who go to like Florida to go have this like vacation, right? And they just want to go and see the ocean and ride a banana. Uh, floaty yeah and that's but they're not it's not making fun of them and like you do genuinely like them and they are um oddly like very sex positive like it's not like a joke where they're like under sex no like they're totally fine going and hitting on jamie dornan and having like a three-way evening with jamie dornan who's like the 50 shades of gray guy right okay and he's got 50 shades of gray guy has like a big musical number in the movie Wow. Like, he's much better in this than he's ever been. And you don't think I would like that? I don't know. It's so, it's so bizarre. I almost, after I watched it, I was like, I don't know. She might be into this. And then I told you you should watch it, and then it expired. We yeah, can just it work. again. It'll probably be cheaper free at some point. Okay. It's very goofy. If you watch K.O. Vadis Aida or Collective, and you need to not need hate to the world, your soul. you could at least go watch Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. Okay, that's it's, good. Too. I don't know. It was was it like amazing? No. Was yeah. it uh, amusing and funny in spots and very silly? Yes, and that was fun, fun for me. So there you go. You were actually watching legitimate prepping for Oscar type movies. I did, and then I just wanted to watch Barb and Star. Yeah, sometimes you have to have a palette. I wanted to watch Barb and Star right away, but it was like twenty dollars, and I was just like, "This nah, is a movie where girl. if it's bad, like if you if I don't like this, I'm gonna be like, I spent twenty dollars. Like on this. I'm mad. But now, like regret. regular rental price, like six bucks. I was like, well, if I hate it, it was like six bucks. That's not that bad. But I was like, eh, it was pretty good. Six okay. bucks. Six dollars feels like a lot for a rental. That's how much it is digitally to rent new things. That's Ugh, just how much it costs. I can't get over that. It should be three ninety. Probably in the red box. Roll down the red box. Get it for, for like a dollar. Buck twenty. Two dollars now or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, but okay. wouldn't have been available right away because they didn't put it on DVD right away. So. Well, while you were watching actual uh, movies, mm-hmm. I was watching some TV shows. Yeah. I you watched, watched a new Buzzy show. A Buzzy yes. new show. Before I watched oh, that okay. show, I watched a show that came out last year. Um on Amazon Prime called Upload. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because it's similar it has a similar theme 
as the next show that I watch. Oh. But Upload is basically, if you haven't seen it, it's pretty good. It's like, if you die, right before you die, you can get uploaded into a virtual world and your your consciousness can live on. Mm-hmm. Which, there have been movies like that before, but this is... it was It's kind of like a, a murder mystery slash romantic comedy slash, you know. And this is from Greg Daniels, who created the American Office... Mm-hmm. Which he this came out around is odd because this came out around the same time as Space Force yeah. came out the other show that he yeah it definitely doesn't have created. quite that tone yeah it's different it's Space different... Force kind of tries to be like the office a little bit yeah it has a different tone of comedy but I I enjoyed it I powered through it and it left on a cliffhanger so I hope they come out with a new season I don't know yeah I think did it get renewed it I know that Space Force got renewed but it's that one especially just seems like a show that they like renewed but they're gonna like two months not from now be like it. oh like we're not gonna renew this it's too expensive and yeah people were bitching about it which I I personally thought Space Force had good Some qualities charm. it was choppy but. I don't know. I was. I would. I would watch another season of it. I would give it another season. You yeah. can't fully judge a show based because it isn't like season. it had moments of office type humor. But like what I liked about it was it wasn't really trying to do that kind of thing. Yeah, it so. was trying to find its own lane. Yeah. So anyway. So I enjoyed upload, and then in a similar like techie world, I started watching Made for Love on HBO Max, which mm-hmm. stars what's her name, Kristen Milioti. Yes. From How I Met Your Mother, Mom, and, and... Palm Springs. Yes. Did I feel like maybe I did talk about this on the last episode. Did you? I must have. Because Started watching it. Because I feel like it. I've talked about it. Well, this. now you've finished it. I did finish it. So, yeah. in this one, her... She's she's married to, like, a guy named Byron Gogol, which is essentially, like, a Google head, Byron right? Byron Gogol, sure. Yeah. And so, he is super smart, but, like, has no social skills. So, he's, he's built this, like complex that's all basically a big giant virtual world so it's like there's a real pool but like he can change the setting to look like the ocean that sounds fun and and it's like it's called the cube and so he tricks her essentially into dating him and marrying her and then she gets stuck with him for 10 years she's never she's never allowed to leave the cube she can't like go freely anywhere it's great for covid Great for COVID, true. Um, But she eventually wants to, like, leave, and so she escapes, and it's about how before she escapes, he has put a computer chip in her head, Mm. and that she is the first, she's like the prototype of the product called Made for Love, where you can sync up with your partner and have computer chips in each other's heads so you know what the other person is thinking. Only only she has the computer chip, though, and he can basically spy on her and see everything that she sees wow. through her eyes and hear everything. So imagine trying to escape from, like, a an abusive relationship. I know, you gave me, like, Invisible Man vibes there. And it, then, it, uh, it was invisible. It, it totally has Invisible Man vibes. Um, but he's not murderous, but yeah. he is just, like, stalker creepy. And so, like, even as she's escaping in the first episode, she's, like, running away. And then there's, like, people getting phone calls where she's at because he can see where she's at and he the his technology touches everything so he's calling people who are right it's kind of like where Truman show a little bit too, yes kinda. it's yeah. fucked up and she's so good in it and ray romano's in it and he plays her a dad and they have this like a strange relationship because they haven't seen each other in 10 years well i didn't watch this but i can tell you kristen Milani is a great actress she's very good and in ray romano i think I think the I think people know this now, but he is a great actor who's had a, a really amazing career after Everybody Loves Raymond. Yeah, like he's done just interesting shows and interesting movies, and I yeah I just he's he's good in everything. It seems like he he can fit that like Steve Carell of like I'm playing very serious and like. 
distraught, but I can bring in some yeah. like strikes of humor that Him, make me really likable. He and Carell have a have a similar uh, range, I would say, yeah. and uh, I mean that in a good way. And like you can buy their like depression. Yeah, for like, sure. When they're like playing roles where they're like in a funk, like it's very believable. Yeah, I like. Anyway, he's I think really good in it. I like seeing when Ray. I whenever Chris D'Amelio, like I almost watched the show because I was like, well, I like those two people, but it's a TV show, and I, I don't think watch you TV would like shows. it. There's only eight episodes. Yeah, I might watch it. We'll see. How and they're short. They're only like 25 minute long episodes. Yeah. So they get in and they get out. So you know, so it doesn't like fuck around a lot. It just like gets to the main point. Are they doing another out. thing, or is it just a mini series? They're renewed for another. It left on a big cliffhanger. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Cool. So. I Was hope. it filmed pre-COVID or post-COVID? I don't know. Mm. Interesting. There weren't... I mean... Well, I, I just yeah. know because HBO Max, like, a lot of their quote-unquote originals are just, like... Picks up Shows they grab from Canada or whatever. Yeah. And Netflix has done the same thing, so... Yeah. So if you have HBO Max and you see Made for Love, give it a try. It's pretty good. They are pushing it. It's on the platform quite a bit. That and Godzilla vs. Kong are plastered everywhere, so they must believe in it so yeah i've been ignoring it for a while because it like i don't know it didn't look that good but then when i started i was like this is very good good that's cool yep it is not related to dinosaurs though no that's that's what we're talking about today jurassic park three let's do it i got my mug you do not have your shirt very disappointed i got hot takes over here do you i do i i'm gonna predict what your hot take is I don't. I don't know if I believe this hot take, but I think I might be there. Okay, here's what I think your hot take is. Okay, Jurassic Park three mm-hmm. is kind of good. Dr- I was gonna say, yeah, I was gonna say Did Jurassic Park three might be the best Jurassic Park sequel. Okay. Now I I quite I put an asterisk there because I have not watched Jurassic World recently. True. The 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 first reboot one. Yeah. And what I like about that one is that you get a lot of, like, the park being open. Yeah. Like, that was a big push, and I really was excited about that. And there are aspects of that I like, but for whatever reason, there are things that I really don't like about it, like moments. And for whatever reason, I don't go back to it. I don't have a desire to watch... And I think the Jurassic Mansion, the one after that, is actually actively terrible. But so, I, I kind of want to watch that But that one's again. goofy as fuck, and I almost, yeah. I'm almost in, more intrigued of watching that one, because I know it's ridiculousness. It's bullshit. Yep. And so, I, and I like aspects of that, right? Like, I think that movie, like, like I enjoyed it when I saw it, but I, I don't return to it a bunch. Mm-hmm. Whereas I've seen Jurassic Park 3 a lot. Well, you've had more years to see it a lot. That's true. That's true. And the other one's much more... Yep, mm-hmm. But, and, like, listen, I'm aware that there are some batshit terrible things in Jurassic Park 3. How could Don't there get not me wrong. be in, in a world where there's an island plus another island full of dinosaurs? Right. I mean, the, I'm not saying, like, listen, there's Jurassic Park, which is a perfect movie, and then a thousand notches below are, like, the rest of the sequels, right? I'm not, yes. like, trying to say that it's... Uh, comparable mm-hmm. i'm just saying like of the sequels we have jurassic park 3 might be the best one i don't know yeah but let's uh reel it back a oh yeah bit. this is where we uh before we just start talking about the movie yeah. there's a couple things we like to do we like to do our what do you remember segment mm-hmm. okay and uh, let's start with that 
Okay. Um, I wrote my what do I remember on my brand new phone with my little stylus, which I don't have on me right now. That's ridiculous. Why everybody wants a smaller phone? And you're just like, I want to get this thing. That I like, want a thing that's the size of a tablet, the size of your head, essentially. Because yeah. I'm not going anywhere. Might as well have a laptop with me. I guess. Um, so but you wrote basically, something. I wrote this. Okay. Alan Grant is back on the island. Yep. Which I was wrong about. Because he's not back on the island. No, he's not on Island Nubar. He's on Isla Sorna, the Site B, which yes. was it, it was a, it originally introduced in the Lost World. Yes. So I remembered that. Yep. And I remembered that some batshit crazy things happened with dinosaurs, and yep. then they got off the island. <laughs> Correct. So this is what I wrote. Dr. Alan Grant gets tricked into going to Isla Sorna, Site B, by some parents looking for their missing kid. The kid went parasailing next to Dinosaur Island. Kind of dumb for that wannabe stepdad that guy that brought him along. Anyway, there's a Spinosaurus here as the new King Dinosaur. Tay Leone plays a really annoying character, and the Pteranodons damn near make the whole movie. Also, Alan has a bad dream. Alan. I've been a long-time defender of this short, scrappy, but little-appreciated sequel. How do I feel about it now? And? I set it up. And? Well, because I haven't watched it in a few years, so I was wondering uh, what I would think about it. And, um, no, I, I, like... The the very, it's very pulpy. It's very much a B. Pulpy. Yeah, like pulp, like a pulp fiction, like not. The oh, pulp I thought fiction you meant movie. like orange juice with lots of pulp. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, that was very pulpy. Like it like, had a lot of stuff floating. It's a in B it. movie. It, it's a monster movie. It, it's like Godzilla versus Kong. It knows what it is. It's not going for anything more than what it is. The director, who is Joe Johnson, who took over for Steven Spielberg on this one like purposely said like we're gonna make a 90 minute movie and that's what they did and i love it 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 just hits the ground a 90 minute movie where 15 minutes in they're on the island and there's a dinosaur attack like it doesn't take long it it's so quick that um as i was playing with my phone yeah figuring out if i could take notes Mm -hmm. um i missed the scene that basically set up the whole i saw the scene got there so the scene opens up with the the parasailing the the boyfriend the the lady's boyfriend and and this kid which we don't know if it's a boyfriend but, true a father figure but it's and it's a very odd scene like for a Jurassic They're Park parasailing movie. behind this like jet boat next yes. to Jurassic Park Island yeah it's called Dino is it like para dinosaur dinosaur that's right like yeah. soaring Soar in the air yeah and then they're videotaping yeah. But there's some. It's bright. There's no, not a cloud anywhere, right? It's super bright. And then all of a sudden, like they're getting into fog. Which I mean, they are turning around the island, and they miss. Yeah, I mean that's fine. It's just like mist rolls in. The driver of the boat gets attacked. Well, we don't even see that. Like there's fog, and then they like they the rope is shaking, and then they the fog is gone, and they're like not on the top of the roof. Like there's blood on the blood and ripped up canopy, and I think the, the assumption is is like those pteranodons attack them but then i have a question about that agreed <laughs> so i don't know if that's what happened because is it something else i they were pretty close to the island but not that close like the only thing that would really attack them like that would it could be... have been something on the coast that jumped out at them maybe the, i think the assumption is is that, that it's the pteranodons but know. we know for later the pteranodons are enclosed in their yeah. in their it makes no sense no, it does not. It's a mystery. Um, it doesn't make no. It's just a mystery. It, 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 that's true. I don't think it never sets out to even explain what happened. It's just like, well, he could this have happened. just exploded. <laughs> I mean, you know, maybe they got in a little tussle and they beat each other up and they fell off the boat. There like was it only wasn't one driver. No boat, dinosaur though. involved. Oh, I thought there was a guy that was handling the. Oh, maybe there was two. I don't know. Anyway, the boat's about to hit a rock. 
So they cut themselves free or release and then themselves. They fly and they onto the fly island. onto the island. Yep. And then cut to Alan Grant, blah, blah, blah. And now the parents are talking to Alan Grant. And I missed this entire scene. I'm still not entirely clear on how they tricked him. I'll get into that in a second. We need to do our other segment that we do, which is called High Stats. What? What's that? It's the part of the show where we give you, like, the basic information of when this movie came out, who's in it, who directed it. Right, 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 right. Jurassic Park 3 came out on July 18th, 2001. Mm -hmm. It is rated PG-13. It is sadly an hour and 32 minutes long. Yeah, it's two minutes over. Yeah, I mean, he missed his mark. It's kind of sad. Damn VFX. People had to get their names listed. He's probably mad about that. Yeah. Probably try to get them cut out. Probably. It's directed by Joe Johnson. Joe Johnson made uh, The Rocketeer. Which is very much in the same kind of like B movie type vibe. Future episode, The Rocketeer. Yes. Uh, Captain would go on to make Captain America: The First Avenger, that first Captain America movie, which has the like old war movie vibe kind of deal. And he also made the movie, literally the movie that we just covered in our last episode, Jumanji. It's so funny how we get on these like director roles. Kind of, yeah. Surprising. It stars Sam Neill, William H Macy, Tia Leone. Uh, some other people. Michael Jeter, who is Mr. Noodle on Sesame Street, and he oh, died yes. shortly before this movie came out. Um, he's a great Laura actor. Laura Dern's briefly in Laura it. Laura Dern is in, like, two scenes. Yep. She re- reprises her role as Dr. Ellie Sattler. Um, yeah. So, it was, uh, came out in July. What was the box office on this? Well, what's your guess on what it took to make it? $130 million. $93 million. Oh, they worked. They, I mean, okay, I've got some thoughts on that, but yeah. Uh, and it brought in worldwide three hundred almost seventy million. This wasn't a this was a hit, but it wasn't like a huge hit. And it was yeah. definitely like you know people knew it was the third movie. They knew it wasn't Spielberg, and so Still like the made opening its money weekend. Back. No, it definitely made its money back, right? But it was not. Um, it was later in the summer. Like Jurassic Park comes out like beginning of June. The Lost World comes out like Memorial Day, right? This was like late summer, late July, right? So it has a little bit of a different trajectory. Now, I remember seeing this movie. Actually, I don't remember seeing the movie exactly, but I tell you what I do remember. (laughs) I remember either that Friday work. It was either the day it came out or I. Okay, so it it was. This is where I'm a little bit fuzzy. I was working. In our town's, like, uh, resort. Mm-hmm. And I was, like, a landscaper. And I was on my lunch break in mm-hmm. the lunchroom. I was eating the lunch. And mm-hmm. there was the TVs always on on, like, the what was, like, the local cable news at the time. And they had, like, a little featurette on Jurassic Park 3 going. And I was well, I mean, as a Jurassic Park person, like, I was well aware of this. But I remember, I think I must have already seen, it must have been on a Thursday. And I definitely <laughs> went and saw it on Wednesday night because it came out on a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And they were, like, having a little behind-the-scenes feature about it. And, like, people in the lunchroom were kind of talking. I was like, oh, that looks pretty bad. And I was, I think I was in the corner being like, no, it's, it's, it's all right. <laughs> no, it's actually pretty good. I, I just kept it myself because I was, like, 17 or whatever. But, um... But yeah, no, I remember that specific How memory. How do you remember that? Well, I okay, so this is not interesting, but that particular job, for whatever reason, I could take my lunch break whenever, and it was a half hour. And for some reason, a lot of the time, I would just like work all the way through. I'd work seven and a half hours, and then just spend the last half hour eating, because I would work in the morning early, and so I'd be done at like, you know, three. 
So sometimes I was just like, oh, I'll just wait. And then, then I get done early. Cause then if, okay, cause also like, you're gonna <laughs> stop at 2.30. Well, really, you get, well, I gotta put my shit away at like 2.15. And, yeah. you know, well, people are gonna talk to you at their lunch break. They're gonna come up to you and you're gonna have a little moment. You're gonna get a little water break here and there. Yeah. It was actually a pretty great way of like getting in some less work. So, uh, yeah, yeah no, I, sometimes I would just do that. And I remember that was the day that I was like, ah, Jurassic Park 3. Yeah. This is a real interesting story. And that was back in the day because I worked there for a summer. Yeah. After we met, that yeah. like in their, t- they had like an employee cafeteria. Yeah, a small and, little area, but and yeah. you got like a free meal. Yeah, and they would either have like they'd have sandwiches and stuff, but then they'd also like whatever they made in the because it was attached yeah. to a restaurant. Yeah, so it was like a cafe to get lasagna. For so the day. sometimes they have like another thing. Right? It was fucking fantastic. It was. It was like real food. They I mean, it wasn't like don't do that anymore. No, I've, yeah, they don't do that anymore. But man, that was pretty awesome back in the day. Yeah, free meal, and then you're doing it at the end of your day. I was just chilling. What a nerd. Yeah, I was a nerd. Remembering, not even conversations you had, just, like, thoughts you had in your head while That's sitting in the That's my memory of Jurassic Park 3. <laughs> and I, I remember, like, because I, I, I know that I must have gone opening night, right? I saw it the first night. It came out. Yeah. And then, like, the next day, I was like, I already saw that. Right. Which I was almost kind of a bummed I was always bummed out by Wednesday releases sometimes when I was in high school and stuff, because I, I, I would go right away. But then there'd be like nothing to see on Saturday or something. It's like, oh, I already Aww. saw that. I, you know, they, I don't. Sometimes I don't like those Wednesday releases. And now I don't <laughs> go to the movie theater at all because of a fucking virus. So there you go. Good, good times. Anyway, well, I'm out of tea and it's been a while, so we're gonna have a little segment called Tea Time with Tyler. We're just knocking out our segments all at once, huh? Yes, we are. Okay. So Tea Time with Tyler is when I refill my tea, and let me tell you what kind of tea I'm drinking tonight. Okay. It's going to be a very exciting night. Mm-hmm. I got Nighty Night Extra and Chamomile. Oh, baby. We're getting wild. <laughs> two two packs. Two. Mixed sleepy together. Time, nighttime. Double sleepy. So, Tyler, are you ready? Yes. Okay. In the time it takes me to fill up my hot water, I need you, without cheating, to name as many dinosaurs as you can. Oh, Tyrannosaurus Rex, Velociraptor, Spinosaurus. Compathosaurus, I didn't get that one right. Parasaurophorus, Ankylosaurus, Stegosaurus, Triceratops, uh, Pteranodon, Pterodactyl, okay. Brachiosaurus, Apatosaurus, Truodon, Iguanodon, oh my gosh, Indominus Rex, not a real dinosaur. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, um, mm. I already yep, said Parasaurophilus. Yeah. Oh, I, con- I, ca- I counted a couple of those for you. Pachycephalosaurus. 16. That's pretty good. Uh, yeah. I think I could have named four. Oh, I could probably name more if I could keep going. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. Myasaurus. That's another one. That's impressive. I know dinosaurs. I know a lot more than I actually disappointed myself. Oh. Well, it was a short... I've got the main ones. I think I can name... Four. Dilophosaurus. <laughs> I think I can name four or five. Gallimimus. <laughs> are you just like making words? No, up? those are dinosaurs. Those are ones from the movies. Get out of here! What? Nerd. I'm trying to think of the big one that's in the water one in the the Jurassic World movies. I can't think of the name of it off the top of my head. We want me to Google it. Big dinosaur, big <laughs> dinosaur in the water in what was it? Jurassic World. Jurassic World. Okay, you ready? It's gonna tell me. Mo- Mosasaurus. Damn it! Mosasaurus. Google knew it. Yeah. For shame. 
I had two different flying ones, Tyranodon and Pterodactyl. Eat shit, everybody. I would have just had, like, T-Rex, Velociraptor, Pterodactyl, Brontos... Uh, Omniraptor, that's a different version of a raptor. Brontosaurus. Brontosaurus. Is that I still a dinosaur? You know, I'm, I'm unclear on that, because a Patasaurus, like, was what that was, what was Brontosaurus, but I feel like maybe Brontosaurus is now back. It's kind of one of those things that kind of, like... Figure it out, people. people. are debating, you know? Or Bra- I know out. Brachiosaurus is a thing, but... And the thing we have to remember, always remember, and I actually like that this movie does touch on this briefly a little bit, uh, and the the series goes on and they explain this more, especially in Jurassic World, where like the, the, we like they made the dinosaurs different than what they were. Like Velociraptors are not like this, like yeah. not that size anyway, right? Yeah. And they've acknowledged they slowly modified. acknowledge this, and it, it's right in the first movie where they talk about how they did sequencing gaps, so they filled in sequencing gaps, and so that's With why other animals. That's yeah. why they're not necessarily like quote unquote accurate or whatever. Which is a smart way to like throw in that line of like, yeah, we know this isn't going to be totally right. Yeah, I like that. So anyway, dinosaurs, dinosaurs. Okay, okay. so what you're asking before was how because Doctor Grant is introduced here as doing lectures, but he's like doesn't want to talk about fucking Jurassic Park. He's a fucking guy who digs in the ground. He looks at dinosaur bones. That's what mm-hmm. paleontologists do. He doesn't want to go back to Jurassic Park. It was scary. He did not like it. He almost died. Everybody wants to talk to him about it. He's like, shut up. I don't want to go. He's clearly got so much Which, trauma. by the way, Malcolm didn't want to go back either in the Lost World. He kind of got his hand forced too, right? They just don't want to do it. Because they're smart. Anyway, enter Taylioni, William H. Macy. They are the parents of this kid. But they don't tell Alan Grant this. They are saying they're rich and they're just getting, like, this flyover of the island. They get to go lower than anybody's ever been able to go for the Costa Rican government, which is 207 miles off coast of Costa Rica, as you know. As uh, you know. That's what it says on here. Um, I think it's 180-something for Isla Nublar, but then Site B is a little bit farther, I guess. Okay, keep it moving. There, okay, um, so anyway, they tell him that they're going to fund his... They write him a check. They're going to fund his digging him and Billy. His, Billy. His friend. Get a love that there's a character named Billy. Billy. Alessandro Nivola, who is really good. Like, I, this guy is in this movie and he's in other things, but man, I'll tell you what, he's really good in that... Uh, was it the Art of Self-Defense movie? Yes. He's excellent in that, right? And you're like, oh, this guy's pretty good in, in playing such a different character. Oh, yeah. You're just like, oh, man, you're the guy. You were played, you played fucking Billy? Um, Billy. <laughs> So anyway, they lie to him. They say that they we're just going to fly over the island. They, he's not aware of the. He's not aware of a child being missing. He has no knowledge of this. He just thinks they want a fancy tour guide because they're so rich. Right, and he wants to keep digging in the the, the ground. He needs the money. So the other okay. thing is that you know this movie does give you a reintroduction of um, Ellie Sattler, Laura Dern. She comes back for eh, probably like a day of shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, well, they have a nice dinner. They are not together. Um, they were linked in the first movie in the book they were not romantically i think sattler was much younger than grant was Mm -hmm. in the book but i do like that like this relationship is established as like they're not together and she has kids and i i don't know like just as a fan of Jurassic park i was just like it's laura dern and so i'm like happy to see her but like i don't know it's really that necessary it's it's so fast is the thing like it's it's two quick scenes and it's like over yeah and then she they do a little a little fake out where you're like oh he's there with kids he's the dinosaur man he's playing with this little boy and you think maybe they're together and and then no and then the husband's there yeah no i like that arc for grant i think he you definitely i think sam neill is a good actor and so Mm -hmm. you get a sense of him like feeling a little bit of like sadness over this relationship not working out a little bit but still a lot of admiration for her and i like that the husband's like not a 
Like, it's not a part of this movie, but he's yep. like, he's a nice guy. He's fine. They're nice to each other. Like, yes. it's not an issue. It's not some, like, just total douchebag. Like, it's just this extra thing. It's a little cameo, but it's fun, right? Yep. Um, so there's that. We get Taylioni, but I tell you what, we're on the plane moving. We're heading to the island. Like, first... Ten minutes yeah, in. Yeah, that's great. And we've already had a little scene where they're already on it. The kid was already at yeah. the island, so... I like that this movie just doesn't fuck around. Yeah. It knows what it is. It's not trying to be like this, like, ooh, dinosaurs are new. It's so exciting. Nope, we're going to have a monster movie on an island, and this is what we're going to do. It doesn't really matter who gets here or whatever. And I also appreciate, um, I mean, we get these three mercenary characters, right? Well, two of them get killed immediately. <laughs> I mean, as, as soon as they start landing, Alan Grant's like, do not land this fucking plane. Right. We cannot land her. Yeah. And then within a minute of landing... This first guy gets eaten, and you briefly see the Spinosaurus, like, just chomp this guy and they down. they barely escape. They barely escape. Yeah. And then the, next, the first scene. And then the second guy gets eaten out of the plane after the plane crashes. So we do have to talk about uh, maybe... And this is where I think... I think a lot of people think this movie is cheesy and bad. Yeah. Um, and it's because they remember things like... Alan Grant having a dream on a plane. Yes. Well, let's first establish he has severe trauma. Yes. Which he has not recovered from. No. Who could? No. I mean, he barely survived Jurassic Park. He did not. It did not go well. So he's sitting on the plane. He falls asleep. Right. And has a little dream. Yep. And in that dream, he sort of wakes up. He wakes up and he hears his name. Alan. And he looks around and there's no one in front of him on the plane and he turns over. No, like the pilots are the missing. pilots are missing. Like something's bad. Yeah. And here, Alan. here's a raptor opening its mouth. It's like a, you know, not a CGI raptor, like an actual, like one of their like puppet. model puppet mm-hmm. raptors opening its mouth going, Alan. Alan. It's so great. It's amazing. And then he wakes up. So, I mean, there you go. Right off the bat, I, 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 what I appreciate about this is like, I kind of feel like Joe Johnson and the writing team are just like, listen, if you're thinking this is going to be like those other two movies, and by the way, none of you seem to seem to have liked that second one. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not doing that. Yeah. This movie's a little bit goofy. Yeah. Okay, we're going to have dinosaurs. They're going to attack people. Alan Grant's going to have a fucking dream about a raptor talking to him. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. And it also sets up this thing where the raptor puppets later on do... There's a lot of communication between the raptors, which I like. I like a lot of that. But it's a little bit funny that their mouths are moving. <laughs> it's a little bit funny. Alan. They're not, yeah, they're not saying Alan, but you kind of think that they are. They're like, oh, Alan's over there. Oh, Alan, 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 Alan. I didn't Alan. even think about that. You're such a dork. It's pretty fun. And, but I like it because it's like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of animatronic and puppets in this movie, like surprisingly. Which works so much better than the CG stuff. And including like right off the bat, after they, they've landed, the guy's been attacked and you get this kind of an awkward actual wreck. It's very quick. They just kind of get like, the, the fuselage gets like stuck in rolls the... and gets stuck in a tree. But then you get like this almost entire uh, in-camera sequence where they're getting attacked by the big Spinosaurus, and it's mostly just uh, all in camera, like the animatronic and the the claws and the. Feet. It's a pretty cool scene where he's rolling the thing, rolling them around, yeah. and stomping them down. Now I will say that the Spinosaurus is kind of a interesting looking dinosaur i feel like the mistake of the movie is assuming people were going to be like that dinosaur is cool yeah when it kind of looks a little silly well it's like small its face is like thinner it's long and long so that doesn't look the animatronic of this is not great i think it like it's solid like that's what 
if you look at like what people draw, like the scientists think like Spinosaurus look, I mean, it, it's kind of what it looked like, right? Mm-hmm. It's a little bit silly, but it's a little, especially when you see that giant sail on it, you're just like, it doesn't have the menace of the T-Rex, right? Yeah. A little bit. And so that I think is maybe the big miscalculation of the movie in terms of like pleasing general audiences. They want to see the T-Rex. They want to see, and then we'll get into like the the other like thing that I I I I still haven't forgiven this movie for doing. Agreed. But um, but yeah, I think there's a problem with that. But that being said, like I think this is staged well. I think it's fun. Like it's uh, and I like the fact that after those two mercenaries are gone, our body count can't be very high. There's only like five people left, mm-hmm. and so the movie has to be kind of creative and like. You can't kill someone in every scene. Like, yeah, you just can't. there's no nilly-willy They have to there. escape. They have to be able to evade. They have to be able to do things. There's a, uh, there's a fake out. But, you know, like, we can't just rely on carnage, essentially. We have to stage sequences, which I appreciated. And what I do appreciate about that uh, plane, they escape, and they, like, run away, and then they're just like, oh, we're safe. And I do like the gag of them, like, turning around, and here's the big, giant T-Rex animatronic head just yes. peeking over, eating something, and being like, Hey, everybody. Hey, motherfuckers. <laughs> What's up? I like that reveal. Uh, you know, it's always great to see the T-Rex, but then, yeah, this movie, I think... I understand what it's trying to do. It's trying to clear the way. It's trying to clear the way and say, like, this is a different movie. Yep. The T-Rex, we have a bigger, badder dinosaur who's more dangerous. It's smarter. It's bigger. It's going to crush the T-Rex. And so we have to see this fight, which... Early. I, it's really early yeah. as well. Um, you know, it's a... The CGI is here. It's okay. I think overall the CGI in here is fine. Like, I yeah, think it's pretty think, solid. Yeah, it wasn't distracting at it, all. It's pretty smart about how it shows a lot of, like, like the stampede. For a 20-year-old movie? It's like, blur. You know, the yeah. stampede is blurry in certain spots on purpose. It tries to hide some of, like... It knows, like... I appreciate a filmmaker that kind of knows, like, well, some of this is not going to look great. great, so we have to, like, keep it grounded. And so I like that it does... That being said, I feel like the, this fight is maybe the the worst CGI in the movie. Mm-hmm. But it's so the odd thing about it is it's such a short fight. Yes, like they yeah. advertised on this, right? They're like these two fight. There were toys where there was like the T Rex versus Spinosaurus, like Rock'em like, Sock'em it's robots. Like Ninety seconds. It was a Rock'em. I think it was a Rock'em Sock'em robots type thing where you could like do the T Rex versus Spinosaurus, and it's it's like ninety seconds, yeah. and the Spinosaurus like twists the neck of the T Rex and drops dead. it dead. And I'm not a fan of that because the no. T-Rex is the king. And at least I'll tell you what Jurassic World does right. And it it withholds it for you. The whole movie takes two hours to get to it. But they're like, T-Rex is cool. And there's a new big bad dinosaur in that movie, right? But that movie knows, like, T- let the T-Rex out and see what T-Rex can do. And I like how that movie reveres the T-Rex. And so that aspect I do like about yeah. Jurassic in World. In our culture, T-Rex is king. I don't give a shit that this other big dinosaurs exists. Fuck yeah. you, Spinosaurus. That's not our world. No. We T-Rex, king of the dinosaurs. Yep. It's what we do. Hands down. It's just what we do. That's why Godzilla looks, you know, closest to like a T-Rex, not a Spinosaurus. True. Right? Although he's got the little horny, you know, spiky thing. It's like a combo, you could argue. So anyway, um, I don't know what you want to talk about here, but I think we do have to discuss um, Taylioni and William H. Macy. Yeah. So, it's the, what are your thoughts? Um, it's the unfortunate part of this movie. I, I just, I don't know if I'm I'm judging it with clear eyes because I really don't like her. I don't general. think it's the, I don't think they're giving bad performances. I think that they are functioning in the movie in a way that is irritating. Maybe it's like not great casting. I don't know what it is, but it's not quite right. 
Yeah, and I like William H. Macy in most everything, but I I agree he's he feels a little out of place here. Um And they're 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 separated or divorced. They're separated. But even they're like I just don't feel like they they had the chemistry of divorce people. Yeah, there's little hints of this like this discussion where they like talk about like, Oh, you look good and they're like, Yeah, so do you or whatever. Uh, that's like, not viable at no, all. You guys do not no, there's nothing here. And it's not even like you're not even picking up on like divorce people like resentment. It's yeah. It's just like there's no chemistry there at all. So and I think it's that weird. it's it's mostly casting, it's like. mostly just there for them for Alan Grant to be like shut up and stop <laughs> doing that and knock it off and I'm saving you and and that's kind of amusing like once or twice but it kind of takes that joke a few too many times yeah right? it actually got better once the kid showed up so that was gonna say now that being said there are, there is an instance where the the kind of badness of Taylor's character is utilized for a truly maybe unintentionally hilarious gag where they come across the paras the parasail thing and they're looking for the kid and like the skeleton of the her boyfriend comes down mm-hmm. and like gets stuck on her gets, for like it's longer than it. the Spinosaurus <laughs> fight. She's like stuck in it. She's flailing. She's screaming because there's this bloody skeleton. She's and she's like skewing ew, 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 and like it's other like and all. I'm just it's funny because it's just like you you were fucking that guy. <laughs> I don't know if that's why it's funny, but you saying that eight times during the scene was a thing. That it just happened. it got stuck on her, and it was comically going on and on and on like longer than like. Like, uh, yeah, that was odd. But it, it felt like a little like Indiana Jones gag, like uh, yeah. uh, like Temple of Doom, like uh, what's her name getting yep. Kate Capshaw. Just yeah. Anyway, I just I did enjoy that. That being said, there is a clear moment at the end of the film where they're you know they've they took Billy took some raptor eggs, which becomes a problem, but also ends up maybe keeping them alive because they don't immediately kill them, right? But they have to return the raptor eggs to the raptors who are talking to each other and going, Alan, give me the, <laughs> give me the eggs. Right, exactly. Right now. You. Um, but there's a clear point where, like, she's handing over the egg and the raptor's right over her face. And you just kind of like, it's like, what, this movie was just do like a little it, bit ballsier. Bite her face. I'm not even saying killer, but like slash her face or something. Oh my god, you saying slasher face has to be the most like female aggressive with, with thing you've la- ever with said. With a raptor car. Well, it's a clever girl that's doing it. It's a girl on girl violence. Oh <laughs> my god. There's what just an the opportunity. Fuck? It could have been Macy too. Either way. What? <laughs> Didn't you just kind of want her cuz she was just like causing so much. Then again, Billy's the one that caused the trouble, but um yeah, I don't know. Tilioni is not great in the movie. Well, there yeah, yeah. Now, that being said, the introduction of the kid, he doesn't, they find, you know, he's not where they think he is. And when Alan Grant gets separated from the rest of the group after this raptor attack, which is, a good, I think, pretty well staged uh, sequence. And you get a little hints of what we see later in the franchise. They go to a facility and there's like experiments going on that are not, uh, uh, you know, regular dinosaurs. The Spinosaurus was never on the InGen's, like, species list. Like, yeah, they there's some shady you know, shit going on. The beginnings on. of all that shady shit is here, right? Um, <laughs> oh, there's... See, some of this, like, some of the things that are quote-unquote bad, I just very, find very funny. Like, when Taylioni... It's all related to... Maybe maybe she's secretly good in this movie, actually. Okay, okay. 
Because, like, she also gets this hilarious thing where she's staring at the science experiments, and she's staring at this, like, raptor head that in glass. That was a pretty good scene, actually. And it just goes on forever, and it's this raptor, and it turns out it's a real raptor hiding behind the glass. But if you think about it, it's just like, that raptor stood so still for so, so still. long. It was just, like, holding its position Again. and being like, and he's probably just like, John, look at this! She doesn't know it's time for life! Look, 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 she's coming up. She thinks I'm... Oh, don't blink, don't blink, don't blink, don't blink, don't blink. She doesn't oh, don't blink. realize I'm fucking don't blink, alive. Don't blink, and then, like, then, then it moves, and it's it's so funny because it's just like it's comically a long yes, time I mean it's so I mean it's just sitting there so big oh my god it's so good yeah it's it's hilarious and then but then you get this pretty good little chase through this uh, and it's fast like I what I other than that T-Rex and again maybe maybe they maybe Joe Johnson knows like it doesn't like that fight doesn't need to be that long because you get one sequence after another in this movie so the raptor thing is not very long, but it, I mean, it's pretty fun for a minute. They've got to like, you know, the raptor's trying to get over a cage and they have to run through this thing. It's, it's efficient. And then I liked how, and, and poor Michael Jeter, this is when he like last of like the side characters gets killed. They like use him. They don't kill him completely. They use him as bait. They like injure him yeah. and then they leave him on the ground and then they're like, oh, we have to go help him. And then they realize that they're like f- the raptors are flanking them to like try to get the other people. It's a pl- yeah, they fucking. And Billy's like, "Oh, they actually set a trap, right?" Which is pretty cool. And then you get this pretty cool shot. And I remember this is another thing I remember not necessarily seeing the movie, but I remember when Entertainment Weekly would do the summer movie preview. Uh, they'd have pages on these movies, right? And in the the Jurassic Park three one was the shot of like and the, the thing is like there wasn't a lot of like footage and stuff of Jurassic Park three at this point, uh-huh. and you got this shot of like Alan Grant flanked by three raptors on the ground and be like oh shit like how is he like he's gonna die in this movie like there's no way he's gonna survive this how is he like gonna survive yeah. that it was like an enticing shot for the entertainment weekly summer movie preview um and then he gets rescued by the kid and he gets uh they go hang out in the tanker for a little bit because he throws some gas smoke bombs yeah and i so i was gonna say this kid is played by i don't know not someone who does a lot of acting these days but i think he's okay yeah he holds his own for being a kid actor i like the kid this is kind of reminiscent of what the current uh jurassic world camp cretaceous show is which is like a group of kids stuck on uh the island post jurassic world time and it's a like we've i think we've talked about the show on uh that show on this podcast before it's a pretty solid like kid show yeah um and so that's reminiscent of that, and that's kind of where this uh, idea came from. What are you doing? I'm looking at the kid. The kid's name is Trevor Morgan, okay. and I'm seeing if he'd been in anything oh, significant yeah. since then. Not really. Yeah. No, but he saw it, and I like this stuff with... It's, again, it's a very... Like, it's maybe the longest stretch of quiet in this movie where he sits in this, like, over this Jeep that's covered up his little shelter... And he's shooting the shit with Alan Grant because he's been here. This kid has been surviving for eight weeks. Eight weeks. That's 56 days on an island with murderous fucking dinosaurs as a kid with no parents all by yourself. And he's got like T-Rex pee. And he's like, how did, it's like, how did you get that? Alan Grant's like, how did you get this? He's like, oh, you don't want to know how I got that, which is pretty good. <laughs> and he's just like, and I like how Grant's like, I'm astonished that you're alive. Like, how did you do this? And he's just like, well, I just stay away from the big the dinosaurs and do this and that. And I even like this little jab at like... He he read. I like this whole sequence because yeah. he's 
He's like, I read both your books. I liked your first one before you went to the dinosaur. I liked it when you liked dinosaurs more. And I think that's like a nice, for a 90 minute movie, there's like, a, there's solid there's some punches. Sam Neill, mm-hmm. uh, Dr. Grant character moments here, yeah. right? No one else has character moments, but Dr. Grant does. And that's all we care about, right? Correct. And, uh, then he also gets time to like, he's like, Grant's like, did you read Malcolm's book? He's like, yeah, I don't know. That guy is kind of full of himself. And he's just like, he kind of smiles. He's like, yeah. He's like, well, we agree this on that. This kid's cool. <laughs> this kid's Cool. Which I love Malcolm, but like Grant doesn't like. They don't think he doesn't like Malcolm, and that's why I'm ex- I am kind of cautiously excited about um, uh, Sam Neill or Dern and Jeff Goldblum being in this new Jurassic Park movie that's coming. True. But who knows how long they'll actually be in the movie? Five minutes. Yeah. So I don't know. There's a lot of. I mean, there's just it's one little mini action scene after another. This thing just never uh, really stops. Um, the eggs are a slight plot point. It's really the only thing that Billy has to do. It's kind of not a nothing character. Um, he decides to take raptor eggs, and it's I, bad. I wish writers would stop making annoying so, characters. By the way, the writers of this... And now, this went through a lot of different changes, right? Like, there were different scripts, and there were a lot of different ideas, and a lot of plot involved, like pteranodons attacking the mainland and stuff like that. But... The, the two of the credited writers on here now are Alexander Payne and Jim Taylor, yeah. who are notable for going on to making their own movies and writing like Sideways, The Descendants. Um, yeah, so they went from this goofy little B movie to like, you know, Oscar nominated type stuff. So that's interesting. Um, but yeah, it's very much like a, and you definitely watch this movie and you'd be like, this thing had like eight writers on it. <laughs> like those, they're the credited writers, but like this bis. Yeah. And they, like the production notes on this, like they talk about like they were shooting without a finished script for a lot of this. Like That's they, insane. they had an idea what they were doing set piece wise, but they didn't have the like whole end game. They didn't have the whole thing put together necessarily when they started. And you can kind of tell a little bit. Yeah. At um, the end. Oh yeah. The end. Um, but we haven't talked about, which I think is the best thing in this movie and it's the reason why I think the movie's like it's even if you think the rest of it's cheesy shit like you gotta give this pteranodon sequence some credit it's pretty fucking great yeah it's memorable yeah so you know they've been chased by the spinosaurus again they're in a little facility and they climb down and they're in like this big cliffy area and there's walkways and they can't really tell where they're at because it's super misty super misty and then um you know they've got to cross over this bridge one at a time because it's pretty thin and that's when you they start to rattle the, the the bars start rattling and uh there's the slow reveal of like grant realizes like what are we in and he's like it's a bird cage which is a great line and then um this giant pteranodon just shows up on the top of this, flies into the the walkway, and uh, you get this kind of great sequence with these pteranodons attacking them. Flying dinosaurs. This is a sequence that is kind of in the first, like, in the book. Um, there's two sequences in this movie that are pretty much, like, things that from never got into the, into the movies from the book. Like, the water sequence where they're, the raft, they're getting attacked. Like, in the book, Grant and the kids get attacked by... I think it might be the T-Rex in the water, and it's a big sequence there. And then there's this pteranodon intact in, like, this birdcage thing that happens in that yeah, book. And so cool. to finally get this, and the and to the lesser extent, maybe that boat sequence. But that's just actually a pretty solid scene, too. Um, but this is great. And, like, again, this is a good use of, like, it's clear action, but it uses the fog for the CGI well. You get some close-up shots that's pretty good of the animatronic pteranodon. Looks pretty solid. Yeah. And it just looks pretty good, and it's it's fun. You're, you're getting, you know, the kids are getting picked up by the pteranodons. Pteranodon and... fucking picks that kid up. 
and flies away with And I think this is a far better sequence than what, like, Jurassic World does with Pteranodons, which is, like, bigger, right? Like, they're attacking a whole lineup of people in that movie. But, like, I just, pound for pound, I just feel like this, this is, is a much personal better sequence. It's yeah. just, it's paced better. It, it's It feels like a real centerpiece sequence of the movie. I mean, it was marketed that way, too. It has some of that, like, horror, right? Where you're like, yeah. boo, ah! Well, I, you know, the kid gets picked up, and, like, he gets taken to, like, the nest of these little... And you don't, you're not necessarily worried about him getting eaten by the thing, but they are fucking attacking him. Like, they'll peck his fucking uh, And he's gonna fall out. off the cliff if he, you yeah. know, like, it's pretty, all that's pretty good. And it's, again, it's really, it's not like a long sequence. It's, I would say it's perfectly, the, the link it absolutely needs to be. Um, you do get this, you know, I, a little bit of this yelling, Billy! Anytime anybody's yelling Billy, it always seems a little weird. Just shut uh, up. <laughs> I mean, he shouldn't have been called Billy. Maybe that's probably the issue. The other character. Yeah, well, they're the just kids, y- not Billy. No, no, the, uh, that's Alessandro Nivola. But yeah. you know, I, I no, don't have a guy named Billy in your movie. That way, no one when they yell Billy, it doesn't sound weird, right? Yes. Um, but he seems to go and sacrifice himself, and he is getting attacked by the birds, like by the pteranodons, and it, he seems to have been killed. Although it yeah, happens, yeah, because you see screen. a bunch of blood in the water, and then yeah. Um, yeah, and then I, you know, this, I think this rides into, like, the, the T-Rex thing to me is a gripe. It's a personal gripe about, like, disrespecting the T-Rex. Yes. <laughs> but I don't know if it's necessarily, like, a fault of the movie. I think the movie is cheesy fun, and then this If you want ending... this dinosaur to be your antagonist, you have to clear the way. You have right, to get I get T-Rex out of the picture somehow. And I do like this uh, water attack that happens afterwards. Uh, it's nighttime, it's rained. I do like the the fin coming out of the water. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I, I, I don't know how, I still don't know how I feel about this intercutting that happens for a little while where they're trying to use the satellite phone which, oh, I have a comment about the satellite phone. Uh, the call Laura Dern and try to get a help to get rescued, right? And then we get this little sequence where the kid answers. Her like, kid back at home. The dinosaur man's calling, and like we keep cutting from the kid in the house to them getting attacked by this dinosaur in the dark rain, right? So that's a very stark contrast, which is weird. And it's kind of played for last because the kid stops and like is looking at Barney the dinosaur on TV mm-hmm. and is bouncing. I like it. <laughs> you like it. Yeah. I... Have always thought it was like awkward to break the tension that way, but then I watching it this time, it does stop about halfway through. Like they just lose the phone. Like Laura Dern kind of figures out what's going on, but um, the sequence continues and it kind of lets it unspool on its own. I don't after feel that. like you lose the tension with it. I feel like it's building the tension because they're like, "Fucking kids, stop watching Barney. Go get your fucking mom." It's just it's such a far cry from like the quote unquote like elegance of like Spielberg action scenes. Yes, you know what agreed. I mean? Yeah. Like we're cutting to this kid in a in a I house, like a domestic house. Again, this is just so far removed from like what the tone of the other movies. I are, like right? it, but that's kind of why I like it too. It's just like, well, it's not doing that. It's fine. Um, so the cell phone. The this is a little note. Like it's a satellite phone. It rings a certain way. You're introduced to the phone, by the way. The mercenaries and Michael Jeter are. You hear it in the background yes. of them. They have a different uh, phone there. It's ringing the same phone ringtone. Yes. It is, by my accounts, like one of the Nokia like old ringtones of the cell phone. It's like right. Like it's not a specific jingle to anything, right? Wouldn't you agree with that? Yes. And yet, the kid, later on, hears the cell phone because uh, there's a, spo- a little bit of a spoiler. The Spinosaurus swallows it, and it's ringing in his stomach. Again, a little bit silly, but here we are. 
Um, but the kid recognizes that, and how you're able to, this, is it on the loudest setting? You can hear it in the Spinosaurus who's standing a hundred feet away, who is a hundred feet tall, not a hundred feet tall. And you can hear it ringing. How loud is that ringer on? Is William H. Macy's character like going deaf? Yes. How is, can you hear it in his stomach still? Yes. But anyway, the kid recognizes like, that's my dad's jingle from his store. That's like the pipe, the, is he like a plumber or a fixtures play place? Furniture sales or something like that. Yeah. He's like, that's, and he sings the jingle to the song. I was like, you, okay, so one of two things is happening. The kid is mistaken and it's just the Nokia ring and he's got yes. a dumb opinion or my theory, which is the better theory. William H. Macy was like, I need a jingle for our commercials. What song do I like? And what can I get away with using? Hey, my phone's ringing. Hey, this jingle's pretty good. This do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Oh, yeah, my God. Jared. That sounds like my furniture store. I think we could put some words to this and we could put it on TV. And that's what I think happened. I think William H. Macy made a jingle for his TV commercials for his furniture store based on, like, the generic Nokia cell phone yes, ringer. Yes, totally. It might not be Nokia, but you know what I'm saying. It's like an old cell phone ring back before there were, like, you know, proper ringtones. It was like, you know, your 8-bit ringtone. I cannot believe that that was the thing that you got so hung up on for do, do, so do, many do, minutes do, of the movie. Because I'm just like, did he... Because I want to know the story there. I want the background. And I want... If I ever I ever got a chance to interview William H. Macy, I would ask him two questions. Number one would be like, bro, how did you not go to jail for getting your kid into college, but your wife did? Like, how did that work? What? Then he'd probably stop the interview, so maybe that would be my second question. So then the first question would have to be, when you were doing your work on Jurassic Park 3, what kind of character research did you do, specifically, like, filling in the character that wasn't on the page, but then more specifically, in regards to, like, the jingles and the things that he did at his job at this furniture store? And specifically, did you, in fact, think about how he would come up with a jingle for his store, but then also, like, claim that he made a cell phone ring out of it, or more likely, made a jingle around the cell phone ring. And I want to know what your thought process was on that when you were working on the film. <laughs> and then the second question would be, like, bro, how did you not go to jail? Like, what, did Felicity Huffman, like, do all the nefarious shit, and you were just like, I don't know what you're doing, you can get into college wherever you want to go. I can't, I just can't believe you, Tyler. <laughs> I'm actually looking at the script to see if if that's a line or if the kid like he sings the line. Shit. Oh, so then um, uh, uh, the third question I would ask as he was leaving because he'd be angry about the question about the college admissions would be, "Bro, Fargo's awesome, right?" And that would be it. That would be my questions for William H Macy. What are you look? You're actually looking at the actual shooting script. Yeah. I don't know if that's necessarily going to be accurate because there was different versions and. Who knows? When we know that they didn't work, you know, the film wasn't finished at the time. Yeah. Um, it just, it feels like this, like, honestly, the line where he says that, some of it almost feels like script supervisor, like, like, well, no, we need to, like, close the loop on this a little bit. Like, how, not, like, he, the kid needs to know that it's his cell phone ringing, and they're, like, I, I don't know, I just envision a script supervisor being, like, it's a generic cell phone ring. Why would he recognize that as being his dad specifically his phone number? Oh no, well, we could just like add it to be like the jingle of his store. <laughs> it, it, it's my favorite detail in the yeah. movie. I like it. <laughs> 
The only thing I don't like about uh, Trevor Morgan's performance is that he has a clunky line when they're looking, they're on the river after um, Billy's been se- seemingly dead. Mm-hmm. They're looking at, like, it's like the only shot, like, Stegosaurus is the movie, which I appreciate, mm-hmm. but they're looking at, like, the sunlight of the dinosaurs drinking water, and, you know, they're talking about, like, uh, you know, people who are doers and, uh, you know, people who are astronauts and are or versus people who are astrologists or whatever. And it's okay. It's an okay little, like, post. Again, Billy has no character arc at all. I think no. Alessandra Navola has even said, like, it's the only character I've ever played where, like, it was literally nothing. <laughs> I was just running around. Yes. Um, but Al- it's all to serve Alan Grant. He kind of feels bad because he, you know, he does feel like a little bit like he's just been, like, the, the, the astronomer, not the, not the astronaut, right? Mm-hmm. So I kind of like the idea. But then, like, you get this clunky line by the kid who's like, you know what, Dr. Grant? He's looking at the dinosaurs. Billy was right. <laughs> And I'm just like, no, yeah, shut up. Yeah, that was pretty shitty. No, shut up. <laughs> and Billy's dead, so... So the boat thing is a climax, but the problem here is that you still have this business with the raptors and the eggs. And while I like this idea of them, like, chasing after them and keeping them alive because they are holding the eggs, and I kind of like this idea of an exchange of them handing the eggs over and not... Uh, uh, getting killed, and the other thing is, is that uh, they at the beginning of the movie, uh, Billy has three D printed a, a echo, like a, a vocal chamber for a mm-hmm. raptor. Like it's a three D printer. <laughs> yep. yep. In two thousand one, which is cool, and they're just like, look what we made. It's a, it's a, it's a, a echo, a a, cha- a a vocalization chamber by a raptor. How I don't know exactly what they did they there. They found all the bones, and, then and they're they, just like, we'll they make modeled one. it. Yeah. So then he's like. Yeah, Alan Grant's blowing into it. And by the way, what's funny about it is, like, it does not work. No, they, like, look at him like, what the fuck are and he, you doing? This is where you get more of my favorite shit, where the raptors are moving their mouths, and I'm just like, what's Alan doing? I don't know, he's using his horn. I don't know, but we gotta get our fucking eggs, right? Yeah, we gotta get our fucking eggs. And then they hear the noise in a distance, and that's what makes them run off, right? Mm-hmm. It's not what anything he's done. He kind of confuses them. Yeah, you think for a minute, like, oh, this shit's gonna work. It's like he's gonna communicate with the raptors. And they're like, no, It's like, no, not. even we know this is a stupid idea. I like that. Yeah. That's great. And he's just like, Alan! <laughs> They're moving their mouths. It's funny. I also like that, um, so they entered, in this movie, they entered, cause Jack Horner worked on, as a consultant on all these movies, and he, you know, a lot of it's bullshit, but, like, on purpose to make them more monstery. But, like, in this movie, there's, like, the animatronic, there's a raptor that looks like our Jurassic Park raptor, that's kind of that classic look from Jurassic Park, but then you also have raptors that have, like, the little feathers on their head, which is, like, yeah. more, they're bigger than what raptors what they think were but yeah. um there was more accurate in terms of maybe them having feathers and they wanted to introduce that and they look fucking cool as shit yeah and they're just like little spine feathers they're yeah. not like big feathers they're fucking cool that's what they are they're pretty cool but then yeah i mean this ending's then bad the movie's over this movie this movie has a bad ending because i feel like again joe johnson was like we're gonna get this done in 90 minutes we have four minutes to finish the movie folks and they're just like okay well we got so what's the climax like it's the boat with the boat sequence we we fought off the spinosaurus it's a heroic moment for william h macy it's the boat sequence and they're like well what about the raptors they're like oh fuck we gotta get oh, the raptors oh god damn it the raptors forgot Shit. about okay, them okay so how can we get this done really fast they gotta get the raptors chase. well this will be our climax we could have a big raptor chase it's like no we don't have time for that we gotta get this done in 90 minutes yeah we can't have another action sequence here yeah. no no, 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 he said. And I'm like, what he are we going to do? So, well, it's fine. We just had this big thing. If we just see the raptors, it's fine. And then they're just like, um, the fucking army shows up on the beach. And it's ridiculous. And I guess I read on something that they were like, it's part of it's a reshoot. Because originally they just had like a guy on the, sh- the boat, like, 
and it was like waving a helicopter and it was like one person and then Joe Johnson's like this isn't exciting enough and I was like well no it's we know it's not exciting enough like <laughs> you didn't you you don't have an ending here she's like well no we'll just make some boats and we'll make it real dramatic and it's just like it's a little bit weird <laughs> and then yeah. Billy's on the fucking boat he's survived I'm like hey I'm alive it's like I where'd they find down you the river, like what? we would have probably seen your body floating down the river what do you do what do you do doesn't make any sense what do you, how did you survive this. How do they beat him to the beach? Because it know. seems like when they make it to the beach, that those guys no, he's are also already just in the. Up. That's why it's so confusing. Well, the he timing. rolled. They rolled around or something. I don't the know. The timing is very not thoughtful. So while I think the ending is bad, yeah, I appreciate how this is like. Listen, it's over. We wanted to get you watch some trailers. Mm-hmm. You watch the movie. It's night. You don't even have to stay for the trailer. We're not going to put anything at the end of the credits. We're not doing that shit. It's 2001. We're not doing that shit. This is not Ferris Bueller's Day Off. You want to leave when these credits roll? You're out of here. It's like an hour 25. You're done. That's right. Get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck Come out. back and watch it again if you want to see some more dinosaur mayhem. You, oh, we didn't get a big old action sequence? Guess what? I gave you like 12 action sequences in this movie. Like, maybe leave me alone. Get off I my case. I like that. It's over. Mm-hmm. It's done. We don't need another one. We already had 12 sequences. Yeah. And when you think about it like that, you're just like, yeah, all right. I get it. Because all the, all the newer movies do is have the same amount of sequences just spread well, out. comparably. tromping around in the middle. Think about Lost World, how you basically get this raptor sequence at the end. I mean, it, the model of that movie essentially is following the model of the first movie a little bit in terms of, like, there's a T-Rex big attack kind of midway. And then the raptors are kind of this climax. You're like, all right, well, this seals at the end. And then it's just like, we're going to San Diego, baby. Let's let the T-Rex out in the city. And it's just like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like, and I, and I have mixed feelings about all of that. And it, I, I think it does break kind of the ma- the majestic aspect that Spielberg is going for a little bit. It gets into more of that cheesy nature. But I yeah. mean, uh, but no, that movie has, it goes on too long. Mm-hmm. Whereas this movie's like, we're not doing that. We're not going to San Diego. We're going Home. Home. Time to go. Except for one final thing where they're leaving and Alan Grant sees the Pteranodons because there's a quick shot of them, like, leaving the gate open. God. Was it Tay Leone? Yes. She's God. so fucking worthless. Tay Leone, for God's sake, close ah, the gate. Hate her this so is a, much. This is like with the kids, man. They're always, like, opening the door, back door, and they're just, like, opening and closing. Listen, you're either in or you're out and shut the fucking door. Close the door. I can't. You, there's there's going to get bugs in. We're going to get Pteranodons in here. Yeah, motherfuckers. Don't. But then that goes back to the question of, like, who attacked the boat in the beginning of the movie? Because it, it seems like it would, like, fog, maybe it was the Tyrannodons. But it seems to suggest that the Tyrannodons are stuck in that enclosure until they open the door. Right? Let's ask Google. Okay. Who attacked the first boat in Jurassic Park 3? That's a good question for okay. Google. Tyrannodons. But they're not, they're still in the cage. But, I mean, the cages are... I mean, like, all the other dinosaurs are busting through the cages. Are we to insinuate that maybe they're just... They're other pteranodons that are now loose? But it just seems like at the end they're suggesting, like, because the gate is open, these pteranodons are leaving for new nesting grounds. That's what Grant says. Like, oh, they're going to go find some new nesting grounds. Other other folks say it's the Dinosuchus. The Dinosuchus? Tell me more. Is a massive crocodile. Oh, so they're saying... up to almost a dinosaur, can swim out that distance, and can potentially destroy the boat. And we know that in Gen... Um, you know they haven't uh, they haven't been po- totally truthful about the the lineup over at Dinosaur Island. Yeah, sounds like there's lots of discussion about this. Good as there should be. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it's a straight answer. What killed the boat crew in the fog? So what I'll say is that I get it. I get why people would think that this is not this is inferior, right? Mm-hmm. 
But like, I don't know. Like, if this is what if you if you if you're never gonna like, they kind of knew like you're not gonna top Jurassic Park. So what do you want? You want dinosaur attacks? So let's just bring a character back you like and just have him run around. I don't know. Like, I appreciate the like low stakes of it. I appreciate the low. I don't know. Every time I hear people say like Jurassic Park three sucked, I'm just like, yeah, but like not really. Like it's got like what you want. It delivers the goods. Yeah, it's cheesy. It's got some bad moments. That there's no ending, but. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I would watch this over the Lost World. Well, I don't know. I'll watch the Lost World. I, I have. I never decide whether I like or don't like Lost World. So I, I guess I'm not the right person to ask. But I just feel like Jurassic Park three is better than the Lost World, and maybe better than well, both of the Jurassic World movies. What have you found out? I have found out a great uh, theory. But then I get to the end, and clearly the person came back to what they wrote. And there's like, nah, never mind. Yeah, their theory was that it, it was actually the Spinosaurus. And they have several points and several arguments as to Because it can swim. Yep. It can, it's in the rivers, it, you know, it attacks his, the doc, you know, Alan Grant's boat in the river. It's loose. Yep. But then at the end, he's like making his point over and over and over. And then he's like, well, at first glance, it's possible to conclude that it was indeed the pterodactyls that killed the drivers, given the ending of the Lost World, Jurassic Park, where they are shown flying free on the island. That's true. At the end of the Lost World, uh, there's a shot of like a big, and it's a stupid shot because it's like the mate, like it's a big uh, herd of like herbivores and stegosauruses, and then like ten feet off, there's two T Rexes and their baby T Rex. Like, why would they be walking by that? And then you see a pterodactyl land free, uh, you know. So, however, as a commenter mentioned below, and something that I and I imagine many others failed to realize, the last scene in that film represented John Hammond's fantasy of the ecosystem, natural habitat he envisioned Isla Sorna to be. Uh, and that wasn't an implication that there were flying dinosaurs roaming free on the island. Are you... With that said, if many of us, including me, weren't aware of that, the opening of Jurassic Park 3 is just that much more why, confusing. Why, why is there this insinuation that that's somehow not a real scene in The Lost World? I don't know. Just because John Hammond is talking over the... and But it cuts... There's no indication that that is a fantasy sequence. I'm sorry, you can't... I think the evidence of that movie suggests, like the visual, na- the visual language of that movie suggests, if you you show me a dinosaur on the island, that is what's really happening on the island. It's not something that's in John Hammond's fantasy. No way, that is not a thing. Like you can't make up things like that and just say that that's what happened in the movie when it clearly there's no evidence of that. I guess it's possible, but there's no evidence of that. There's no proof of that. There's no definitive thing that says that. This is a little Christopher Nolan shit all over again when people come up with fucking theories that don't match. I'm, I'm, I, I don't know. No, what to say. I think that it's fair to assess that there are some pteranodons on the island that are loose because the, the lost pteranodons world. Pteranodons or pterodactyls? What's the well, difference? Well, I think they're technically in this movie pteranodons. What about in Jurassic Park 2? I don't think they're named because that's the only shot of them, but it looks like the same dinosaur to me, so gotcha. I would say pteranodon. Okay. Um, so I'm taking the last shot of the lost world as being a literal shot from the island. Therefore, there must be pteranodons that are loose, not just in the cage. Yep. Therefore, that's probably what attacked the boat. Yeah. So then why go to the work of, like, showing them, leaving the door open, and then acting like they've done made a mistake? It's a little bit of an inconsistency. It thing. is. All around table. But when you're trying to make 90 minutes, you're like, and, fuck it. And you wouldn't ever think about it if you just let that raptor slash Taylioni to death right there. That's very vicious. <laughs> like, slices her throat open. Well, if it was R, I would have done that. I feel like yeah. there are, like, if you let. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, um, 
the skeleton falling on her to me, it feels just like very Sam Raimi, like down and dirty kind of like B movie horror aspect. So when you think about it that way, if like if it was a Sam Raimi movie and it was like even a P, they could get away with a PG thirteen where it was just like, <sighs> and it's just like, well, Taylioni's not going to survive. Well, bye bye, mama. Yeah, but I know that that would like disrupt the whole like, oh, the family got back together. But who cares? Well, all we care about is Alan Grant, and then we have Alan Grant even more traumatized. And then, I don't know, never mind. We're just going to reopen the park and pretend like nothing happened. Jurassic World! Jurassic World! Weird. Anyway, what are your thoughts on Jurassic I feel like I've just been talking about how this movie's kind of good, but also weird. I've been I've been talking. I've been agreeing. Do you think I, it's better than The Lost World? I, okay, this is what I'll tell you. Yeah. I remember more of Jurassic Park 3 than I do of Lost World. And yeah. it, it, before I even watched it, I knew that they were back in the island. I remember the... the Ellen. I remember all the scenes. Okay, well, so I cool. you know Alan because you had a coworker named Alan, yes. and every time you talked about him, I would just be like, "Hey, if you, you were talk, calling me from work, you'd be like, oh, yeah, Alan's doing this.' I'm like, "Hey, will you do this for me real quick?'" We would look over at him and just go, "Alan." <laughs> and then I started doing it, and he's like, "What are you doing?" And I was like, "Fuck you!" <laughs> How do you, you don't know, know this, this reference from this thir- five seconds of Jurassic Park three. We How can't dare be you? friends anymore from two thousand one. Yeah, <laughs> Alan, come on, Alan. <laughs> then I had to bring up YouTube and show. And then that flip. became a thing where I was just like, call him Alan. Then he didn't get it, and I was like, you know what, Alan, eat shit. And I was like, hey, next time you talk to Alan, you can go ahead and tell him he can eat shit because he doesn't know Jurassic Park three. <laughs> and Alan, if you're listening to this podcast, he's cheers. not listening. <laughs> no, because he sucks. Because <laughs> he sucks. You know what he's doing right now? Actually, you want to know what he's doing? He's eating shit. Is what he's doing. He's eating shit. Yeah. Oh my god, you're <laughs> terrible. I feel like you're trying to stretch this podcast out so that we go longer than the movie was. We're going to go 92 minutes, baby. <laughs> yeah, we're at 91 minutes and a half. It's a Jurassic movie. What are we going to do now? There's no Jurassic Park movie that's within our realm other than Jurassic Park. Or oh, we're not going to talk about Jurassic Park till we get to 500 episodes. I, I always have to <laughs> remind you that although this is old millennials remember movies and we tend to focus on movies from the 80s and 90s, it's our podcast. We can do whatever. We spent 45 minutes of this podcast talking about new things. So yeah, where you just went on a rant about Oscar movie drama on Twitter. I wasn't reading it on Twitter. I just know that like film like now we're at a point where these oh, no, essays now I started again. <laughs> these essays and these think pieces and all these things are in like legitimate publications like refer to quote unquote film Twitter. You don't have to be on film Twitter to know like what film Twitter thinks of things. What's film Twitter? It's just like the film community of Twitter. People are that, you on film Twitter? No, I'm not on Twitter really. I have a Twitter account. I'm not on it. I've been on it to post things about this podcast uh, once every four months. That's how often I'm on Twitter. Speaking of Twitter, if you've enjoyed this podcast, yeah. go ahead and head on over to iTunes and leave us a great review. If you send us a tweet, we will not see it. <laughs> We're on Twitter <laughs> but you, somewhere. But we will not see that tweet. But in old millennial fashion, you know, what's Twitter? If you send us a Facebook message, we might see it. <laughs> I get Facebook messages. Yeah. That's probably the best way to get through to, like, millennials. <laughs> like, millennials are still using Facebook. You can go to our website. And we have websites. And it's not just a blogspot website. It's a thing with a real domain. It's oldmillennialsremember.com. We spent the big bucks, baby. Did we? <laughs> $15 a year on that domain. It's not a blogspot, is it? Is it? And we built is it, it ourselves. Is it a .net? No. It's a .com. Is it a a title that's too long for anybody to remember? Does no one know how to spell millennial? Maybe. Maybe. I don't even know how to spell millennial. Maybe. Two Let's L's, spell check check N's. it before you type it in. I don't know. Yeah, we should probably get a shorter one. Eh. 
or not. Who cares? All right, friends. This <laughs> has been Old Millennials Remember Movies, episode 103. Bam. Did it. Jurassic Anim- Park 3. Animal April. They're dinosaurs. Counts. Yeah, dinosaurs are animals. They were. What do you mean they were? You should know that the, there's that, the, what's that fucking guy? Elon Musk. Because he got a friend who's like, we can make Jurassic Park. And I'm just like, you guys are shitheads. I just feel like, <laughs> as in in the last ten years, as technology grows, even the even the shows I'm watching, chips in your head, alternate realities after you're dead, that's our future. Well, what I find odd is that a lot of the technology we like, we see a lot of the stuff from like the Terminator franchise. That stuff's like coming to fruition, yes. and I'm just like. Battlestar Galactica. Can you guys, like, work on the dinosaurs for a little bit? At least give us something fucking kind of cool. Are you saying, yes, Elon Musk, go on with the Jurassic Park attempt? Well, if he goes... I'm, I, listen, I'm not going to the fucking dinosaur park. That's not something I'm going to do because I've seen the movies and I know what happens. I feel like we're not going to have Jurassic Park. We're going to be living in a virtual reality. That's Ready where we're headed. Ready Player One, yeah. That's... I mean, they're already, like... I was watching some ad on YouTube that was, like, all, all this new virtual reality and you can, like, go buy stuff and live there and can i also say something about uh dinosaurs real quick the raptors in the current season of fortnite are fucking assholes <sighs> they're very colorful they've got it's a lot true. of okay they've so, got a lot of uh feathers on them actually yeah. yeah you've been playing fortnite for a long time i'm like what's Fortnite? it's basically it's and, p- my pandemic coping mechanism yeah, and just yesterday yeah. You had to go to help the kids with something, and I took your your. Switch. I was playing my uh, daily task of. Uh, and so you're like, Fortnite. you just leave your guy there, and so I like try to. Like, he was fine. <laughs> I try to like move him around. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just moving him around, and then you come over. I was in a bush. You should have just left me. I should have. And then all of a sudden, something's fucking sh- getting me. Oh, it's fucking and raptors! I turn around, it's a goddamn raptor. Just they fucking are vicious, me. and there's two of them, and so you get nailed, and you unless you've got like you're real quick on your him, shotgun, and it was not. They'll working. get you real fast. So that is my Fortnite experience: is a fucking raptor. Fucked up by a raptor. I feel like it was They're new. Really that's only setting me up. For that, this they've episode. only been in the game for like two weeks, man. That's their first that's appearance. Intense, and I kind of like well because they introduced this season like boars and wolves, and the boars are they're punk bitches, and the wolves can be tough if you, Did you they just catch call you up like a, a pig, a punk bitch, a punk bitch. Gotcha. They're punk bitches. Okay, and then the wolves. There's three of them, and so they can they, they, they might surprise you, and you'll get a little damage, but you can. Screw them, right? There's yeah. whatever. But the Raptors, goddamn, I don't know. It sucks when they get you, and they just come out of nowhere. <laughs> Clever just, girls, just just like in Jurassic Park. There should be three, though. I feel like which would be more terrible, but it would be more like. Uh... All right, <laughs> shut it down. We're, we're way over Jurassic Park three time now, Ellen. All right, friends, thanks for listening. We will talk at you another movie, Billy.